had a chance to get outside and uh, shovel some more snow. <laughs> had to shovel some snow out so I could get at some more of my wood in my backyard. Because it looks like I'm going to be needing to uh, keep the home fires going for a while yet. <clears throat> this is a chapter that I'm sure most of you are very familiar with as Jesus begins to present himself as the true vine, as we are his children, the, the, the branches in the vine. And much of the chapter is about fruitfulness and what the Lord would have us to be, to understand about, uh, in the large sense, about the matter of our uh, service for God. I'm just going to look at, I'm not going to read any of the other, the intro to this verse. We're going to just look at one verse, verse 9. <clears throat> I was uh, doing some other reading, and, <clears throat> and I got stuck on this verse, and uh, I had to study it out, and I'm going to share with you uh, some of what I, what I came across. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue ye in my love. <clears throat> Again, let's go to the Lord. We thank you for the continued blessing that we have, God, and the opportunity to freely assemble, to be in this, the house that you built, with these, my brothers and sisters in, the, in Christ that I love so much. We thank you, God, that we can know that your love is true, that we can trust your word for uh, every part of our life, and then as we look to this little portion of scripture, we could draw some truth from it that could be a blessing to us now and forever. In Christ's name I humbly pray, amen. Of God's love, Henry Thiessen writes in his book, Lectures on, in Systematic Theology, he says, God's love is that perfection of the divine nature by which God is eternally moved to communicate himself. It is not a mere emotion, but a rational and voluntary affection having its ground in truth and holiness and its exercise in free choice. True love is a choice, to love or to not to love. But uh, thank be to God that he loves us in ways that, that we'll never understand, but we have an unction to try to. He says, this is not to deny feeling, for true love necessarily involves feeling. The fact that God grieves over the sins of his people implies he loves his people. And that's the very truth that's presented in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where <clears throat> Paul wrote, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Thiessen continues writing, that he, God, is not like the gods of the heathen. Heathen is just a term for, for the lost, but these kind of gods could be perhaps the, typified by those of the Hinduism, of Islam, ones that are hateful and angry. And he's not like the god of the philosopher who is cold and indifferent, like those that believe in agnosticism or pantheism. And so we're just going to look at some, quickly, some aspects of the God's, the, 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 the love that God the Father has for his Son and by for extension to us also. 
Number one, God's love is eternal. In Jeremiah 31, verse 3, it says, The Lord, that's Jehovah God, that's the God of the burning bush, that's the God who parted the Red Sea, that brought into being everything that is in this existence. This is the Lord God. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The word everlasting in the Hebrew means from the beginning of the world. And the word love, interestingly, is the feminine, it's, it's in the feminine gender. And so it has, carries with it the, the meaning of like the love that a mother has for her child. And when I th thought about this and, and as I was reading about uh, what the uh, concordance said about it, I got the picture here of like a mother holding her newborn baby in her arms. Uh, what kind of love is greater than that in the human sense, huh? Well, that's the kind of love that, that God has for us, for those that know him as God and Savior. And so when he uses this term everlasting love, it's like the Lord was saying, I have loved you in time past, I love you now, and I'll love you forever. John 17, 24, it says, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may be, behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Before God ever created, he had that special perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God the Father loved this Son with this everlasting love, this perfect agape love. And again, it, it thrills me to, uh, to think more and more and to contemplate upon God as my creator. <clears throat> When I came to the biggest struggle in my life, when my, uh, when my wife left with our three, my three stepsons, <clears throat> and the roof fell in on me, what, what God began, began to reveal himself to me and give me strength as, I, as he got me into some study about him as my creator. And as he became greater, I became smaller, and I was able to gain strength and comfort from, uh, from him through that through that time. And it's like I was saying, mentioned today, I was out on the deck, I was going through my notes, sitting in my lawn chair in the sun, and I had some bread out on the corner of my uh, uh, deck, just a few feet away, and a bunch of seeds and stuff, and a big flock of uh, chickadees came in. And they're in there zooming in and out, you know, and they're getting their food. They're a, what a marvelous thing. Those little tiny birds, how, how do they survive through the winter? How do they do that? I couldn't make it through the night. One, one night at 30 below, 40 below, with all my gear. That those little birds, they make it and they thrive. How is that? Because God created them to be able to do that. Awesome God we serve and know. And so <clears throat> Jesus states very comfortingly that the same love which was bestowed upon him by God the Father, he 
bestows upon every believer. <clears throat> you know, and we know John 3.16, that God so loved the world to the nth degree. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's love for the world's people is, is just that. It's all-encompassing. He knows them as a part of his creation. But he only bestows the, this true love that we get is when, for those that have believed on him as God and Savior, that he has that special love for, for his children. Most of the people walking the face of this earth may be a part of his physical kingdom, but they have no part in his spiritual kingdom, which we, his children, that have been born into the family of God, have and enjoy. And it is to us, we that have believed that God bestows this special portion of his love. God's love, <clears throat> well, he is, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the only begotten. There it is. That's the difference between all the other sons in this existence. Only one ever was the only begotten of God, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so number two, God's love is immeasurable. If you have your Bible, you could turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. We'll look at this quickly. There's so many, so much of this scripture that, that preaches on itself. I got kind of lost in some of these, trying to study this out and and uh, not get too sidetracked. But it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which patheth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. No man can know everything of the essence of God. Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, in one of his uh, devotionals, he said that man's understanding of God's love is like the bird that skims across the ocean and just, you know, and picks up the, the little fish and, and goes on. That's what we have understand about the ocean depths, the infinite love that God has. God's love will never run out because it's as infinite as he is himself. And so let's focus on this phrase, rooted and grounded in love. To be rooted, it's like being rooted like the, the great trees, the sequoias, the, uh, the redwoods, the great oaks, how they're rooted deep into the earth and they're fixed. When I, was, uh, when I was a young guy, a couple years after my dad died, my mom had our uh, woods logged off. 
lots of big maples and oaks and so on. But there was one huge white oak tree. It must have been at least three, three and a half feet in diameter. And I remember going out there and I counted the growth rings back to the point where it was this big around, 500 and some years. And so I could say it in 1492, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 with sailing ships that numbered three. Well, that, that tree was this big around. For 500 years, that tree had been sinking its roots into the earth. There, you could see the root structures going down into the earth. And this was in a part of our woods that was fairly open, so think on it. For 500 years, that, that tree had stood every storm, every wind, every tornado probably that went through there in that time because it was rooted deep and firm in the earth. <clears throat> For us that know God's love in that way, we can be rooted and grounded in that same way. Grounded in love speaks of the foundation that we have in Christ the rock. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7 Jesus spoke the, the story, the parable about, about the two houses, one that was founded on the sand and one that was founded on the, the rock. <clears throat> Speaking of belief systems, when the storm came, the one that was founded on the sand, it had no foundation and it was swept away. But the, but the house that had been put into the foundation of the bedrock, it survived. And the analogy is certainly there that first that you can have a, you can have your without being rooted and grounded in Christ, knowing that love of God, that personal love that He know, bestows upon every believer. Without that, when the time comes for your judgment, being not rooted and grounded in love, you're going to be swept away and face destruction. But for all those that are, that in the pictures, there's only two kinds of belief systems. It, it pictures belief systems. I don't want to get too far off where I'm going here. There's only two kinds of belief systems, the right way and the wrong way, God's way and man's way. If you're trying to do it man's way, you aren't going to get to heaven that way. Because you have to be rooted and grounded and fixed in the truth, and God is the truth. Okay. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 3 and 4 speaks of that essence. It says, Because uh, I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. And certainly we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak of the rock of Christ, he is like the rock of Gibraltar. He is fixed on moving. He doesn't change. That's something we're going to look at in a little bit. Thank God that he doesn't change his mind about you and me. Even after we've been born into his family, uh, it's only by his great love that he doesn't cast us out because we're all sinners. We all violate his law in one way, shape, or form each and every day, but God in his love, he he, holds, he doesn't hold his children responsible for their sin because he paid for those sins. Well, let's think, let's look at this a little bit closer. 
often Christians, and we've had a lot of teaching. Pastor Demlo has taught a lot about afflictions and, and why we go through them and how and to be prepared for what we may be coming into in the future. Often Christians doubt Christ's love when they go through difficult trials. They mistakenly think if God really loved me, he wouldn't allow these awful things to happen to me. But Jesus says here that just as the Father loved him, so he loves us. Did the Father's perfect love for the Son mean that he spared him from trials? Well, certainly not. Uh, he came to do the Father's will, namely to go to the cross, to suffer the ignominy of a cruel, torturous death, to die and shed his blood so that we could have life. So does the Lord's perfect love for you mean, mean that he will spare you from all trials? Well, no, because it's usually through such trials that we come to know him more deeply. It's what Paul called the fellowship of his suffering in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And again, as I, as I shared with you about the marital separation that I went through in those horribly dark days, uh, the silver lining in that dark cloud was that it got me to where God wanted me in the first place, up, up here being a physical part of this church. It was tough. It was tough. I still weep sometimes about what I lost. But I don't regret it one bit. Uh, I made the mistake of marrying a woman that wasn't saved. And uh, you reap for what you sow. But now I have you, I have pastors, I have brothers and sisters in the Lord to provide me with some of the love that, that, that I lost through that marital separation. Well, again, so as someone has said, never interpret God's love by your circumstances, but rather interpret your circumstances by God's love. And so instead of asking why, and I know I'm, I'm human, we're all human, but when we, when we start asking why, when we go into those things, it's better to ask, uh, ask ourselves, you know, what do you want me to know from this? What, what, what is the purpose of this, God? What would you have me to do? Because we know that he'll help us through any matter. He says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. When we get into those times of trial, that, that's the time when you need to get close to this. And you need to get close to your God in prayer. And he'll ever bless that. Thus certainly, God is with us whether we're on the mountaintops or the mountaintops of joy. I'll tell you what, when I worked in uh, the, the Wrangell Mountains, uh, they used to take us out to some of the most beautiful country in the whole world. We'd get up sometimes on the high mountains, went over the top of Mount Sanford one time. It's, uh, it's, it's higher, Mount Sanford is higher in vertical range than, than Mount Ever than, uh, Denali. Just absolutely gorgeous. And it was just wonderful to see all that the expanse of all the, the, of that beautiful land. But you know, uh, we don't, and it's nice to, it's nice when we're up here. 
Just like when I was sitting out on the deck today, I was up here. Well, I'm still up here now. I'm so happy in the Lord. I'm so happy in the Lord. The times, because we know that with all the mountaintops, there's going to be valleys. But you know, sometimes we need to just keep on, keep on, keep on keeping on, as like my, my pastor Humphrey taught me years ago. God will ever be with us in those times and when persecution, when despair. Um, we should never, there's times when I got really disappointed, you know, like the laboring in the jail. I never got discouraged. Never. Never. God would never have us to be to the point where, we're, where we feel helpless or without strength. When, we're, when we run out of our own strength, that's the time. He's the vine. We're the branches. That's where we're supposed to get our strength and vitality is from him. Okay, so God's love never changes. God's love is as unmutable or as unchanging as his very self. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. <clears throat> he is the same yesterday, that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We know from Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> it's awesome to me, and the more I think about this, the more awesome it becomes is that God knew exactly what he was going to have to do in reckoning a way to make, our, make atonement a payment for the sin of those who would be a part of his family. And he did it anyway. Why? Because he loved us even in eternity past. Even as he purposed the plan for this, for bringing in everything into this existence and each and every being, he had that depth of love for his people. And we need to, this, this, uh, this verses from Revelation speak about that time of the day of the Lord that Pastor Demlo has also uh, preached on. It's really coming. I did, a, I did a good study in the book of Joel four or five times in that book. That term is used, the day of the Lord, and it graphically pictures what's going to be happening in a microcosm of what, what's spoken of in, in Revelation. I'll tell you what, you need to be aware of what's, what's going to come that you can begin to share that with some of those that are really close to you that you love. Because when the day comes, the day is coming, I believe in this generation, when some of these things are going to be acted out in real time. That God's love is real, and God's love is eternal, and He loves every soul, but He also must judge sin. And He will. And in love, He's going to bring about the matters that He has prophesied and promised in the Bible that he can get the glory through all those things. The work of grace was determined in eternity past, was acted out on the cross of Calvary these 2,000 years ago. 
Um, and this is Jesus Christ showed his love by what he did. We should show the love that God bestowed upon us for the souls of it by our works and our service to God. That's what, that's what much of what John chapter 15 is all about. And that's what he was talking about here. We're going to look at that a little bit when he said continue in his love. We'll look at that a little bit, a little bit uh, sooner here. He is the same yesterday and today in that the benefits afforded to the saints in times past, to Adam and Eve, to Moses, to Abraham, to David, the benefits that they know the gift of everlasting life and inheritance in heaven. Um, that's afforded today to every saint who's repented of his sin and believed on Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, which we just celebrated last Sunday. Um, continue to ponder the awesomeness of the cross. Continue to ponder the awesomeness of the empty tomb. Um, some religions <clears throat> pictured Christ on the cross. He did go to that cross, but he was not held by death. He is the God of that, not of the, just of the cross. He is the God of the empty tomb that we worship today. He is the same tomorrow. In the age to come, he will be proclaimed by the saints and angels in heaven, holy, 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 worthy art thou to receive glory and honor. And he should and will. We should be thankful that God, again, that he never changes his mind about us. And he withdraws his mercy, his grace, and his love from us because of the sin that we allow in our lives. God will never unlove one of his children. He has secured our salvation. Remember, we were sealed, we're held, we're kept by the Holy Spirit of God. If it were possible for a believer to lose his salvation, we would, because we fail. But because that sin debt was paid in eternity past and fulfilled, on the cross of Calvary, we need not to, to worry about that matter of our existence. <clears throat> and I always thrill to this, to this verse from Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> well, you'll see here in a little bit. Uh, I was preaching in the jail, and this one guy, you know, for a long time, I don't know when it was, I can't even remember anymore, but there was this guy, he'd been coming to services, and he said, he came to me one time and he says, you're always preaching the gospel. Well, about what I told him is what I read about this one old Baptist preacher. He said, I'll quit preaching the gospel, and one of two things happen. Either I die or everybody gets saved. Well, it's the everlasting gospel. That's what it says in, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Uh, where John was writing, he, saw, he said, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel. 
to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people the everlasting gospel. That will hear the gospel preached even in heaven in eternity. Listen, we're going to hear in person the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth one day. You ever think on that? What's that going to be like? Wow. <laughs> I never knew that. Well, sit down there and shut up and listen. Yeah. yeah. Well, God's love for us is like no other. And he says to us, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. <clears throat> the royal law, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, God wants us to exemplify that love that he's bestowed upon us to show it to everybody um, that we can. And certainly for those of our church family, of our brethren, um, it's a sign that we care. Um, it's, you know, it's one, thing, it's one thing to tell somebody that you love them, but it's another thing to show them that you love them. And so to the lost people we need to, that are around us, we need to show that love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts, the care that we have for them as souls, that they need also what we have, that they can enjoy being a part of God's family and have and know the true love of God for them. Next we'll look at the nature of God's love for His Son. The love of the Father toward His only begotten Son is the highest affection of which we can conceive. Twice God spoke from heaven proclaiming His love for His only begotten Son. At the time of His baptism by John, Matthew chapter 13, verse 7, it says, A low voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That word there is related to the agape, it's agapetos. It means greatly beloved or dear to the heart. Well, Jesus was his only begotten son. From eternity past, eternity present, eternity future, there's only ever has been or will be one begotten Son. And God loved him with all his love that's available. And that's, you know, and that's the love that God has for us. God never stopped loving the Son with oceans and waterfalls of love, infinite love. And that's the kind of love that he has for you and for me, truly. God doesn't love sporadically or just when he feels like it or just when we feel like we need to be loved. But his love is ever out there for us. The same love, 24-7, 365, that we should know and enjoy. And he also, at the, at the, uh, at the day of uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, God spoke that same, th same matter, 
when he announced to the world and he wanted, well, those disciples, he wanted them to know that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so the father has infinite love for the son. The son has infinite love for the father. The son also has infinite love for we that are a part of his family. Spurgeon writes again about this, that it's almost impossible for us to really fathom the depth of God's love. Nevertheless, it's something that we should attain to, and, and uh, just as God's grace is sufficient for us, uh, God's love is sufficient for us and everything that we need. We can't, we can't, <laughs> we can't outlove God, but that's something that we should attain to. God doesn't just apportion his love out to us, a little bit here, a little bit there. No, all of his love is available to us all the time. And God's love is sacrificial love. In uh, verse 15 of that chapter, if you, if you uh, still have your finger there, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, <clears throat> he didn't, he, I, I guess that's the wrong uh, reference there, but uh, verse 13, um, that was the nth, the, the depth again of Jesus' love for us, that he laid down his life, he offered it. Uh, he wasn't prodded with a spear to go to the cross. He went willingly and offered himself. He laid down his life for his friends, uh, amongst whom we can claim he calls us his friends because he knows and he loves us. Jesus challenges us to, <clears throat> at the end of this verse, continue ye in my love. Indeed, Jesus challenges us, he challenged the people then, he challenges us today to live, to show that kind of love, that sacrificial love that he showed for, for us. He commended or demonstrated his love by going to the cross and dying and shedding his blood and rising from the dead. We know that's what it says exactly in Romans chapter 5, don't we? that God commended his love towards us, or he demonstrated it, he showed it. What greater example of love could there ever be? A holy God becoming sin that we could know life spiritual. What greater demonstration could there ever be? And yet people don't want to hear it. And Christians don't, and we, I don't, often regarded as, as highly as I should. He wants us to show this love for others, to demonstrate it uh, to the people around us. And, you know, I've been blessed. Uh, I've been blessed many, many, many times by, by what I call random acts of kindness as other people have shown care and concern and love for me. 
precious, precious to me. Uh, it's a wonder to be able to know that, that people care, that they demonstrate and they show what they feel by their actions or their words. Or sometimes a hug means a lot. Well, he was willing to die and offer himself as a sacrifice, shouldn't we also? You know, in the verses, they just roll off their tongue, you know. It says in Romans chapter 12 that we present ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is of our reasonable service. It rolls off the tongue so easy, but in application, there's, a, there's an awesome responsibility there, isn't there? To make the choice. To step out in love to the unlovely. To do the things that are hard. Uh, you know, when Jesus went to the cross, it said that he set his face as a flint. That means that he was utterly determined to accomplish the work that God had given him. In some ways, we should do that same thing. We should set our face as a flint, that we should be determined to know God's will and then to act it out and to accomplish it in this existence as much as we're humanly possible. And so I've asked myself, what am I willing to, to give up or to sacrifice for the cause of Christ today or tomorrow? Well, whatever the Lord would have me to do, I hope that he'll give, give me the strength to be able to do that. And again, the one, one other example that I'm going to share is one that was, you know, very, very common, commonly known when just before the Lord left uh, this earth, he spent some time with, with the Apostle Peter, didn't he? In John chapter 21, they were, they'd caught some fish, the men had come, and they get a fire going, and they're cooking some fish, and they have a meal, and then Jesus is speaking specifically to Peter, and he questions him three times, lovest thou me? And he challenges him to, to feed his lambs and to feed his sheep. Interestingly, those, there's two different words are translated feed. One pertains to providing nourishment, while the second refers to the care and protection of the sheep. And while this very, very accurately depicts the office of the pastor that, that Peter would, would ascend to in the church of, of Jerusalem, it also describes the responsibility that we have to be a nurturer, to be a helper, a care and protector for, the, for those that are in our church body, but also to be reaching out to feed those lambs, to feed those sheep, the lost sheep. Remember that one, the 90 and 9? What did the shepherd he just say, just blow the other one off? Well, we got 99, we ain't gonna worry about that 100th one, let them go. No, that's the one we need to go and be looking for because we love that soul, and we want to be able to show him the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. 
So, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. That whole chapter is about serving God and being fruitful. And we can fulfill those things if we're willing to follow in the Lord and exemplifying and showing the love that he has for us to the world around us. Okay. That's all I've got.